What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Duncan Holder Podcast here back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, by now, loyal listeners, uh, first-time listeners, welcome. But, of course, you could certainly jump on the Duncan Holder Podcast train in multiple ways. Theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder, 40% off of your annual subscription. Uh, You get all of our podcasts, all of our great coverage uh, in print version of New Orleans, every market uh, in the country, the UK, Canada, you name it, we're all over it. Uh, you can get all of that coverage through theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. And if you want to subscribe through Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can certainly do that. Rate, review, subscribe, the Duncan Holder podcast. And Jeff, look, I, I feel like I've, I've missed you, my friend. I've, I've Take, took a step away. Mike Sando tried to take the podcast away from me, and, and you two guys are going to do it. So I, I hope I can live up to Mike Sando's expectations now. Yeah, Duncan Sando was a, a one one and done for Duncan Sando. No, we missed you, bud. We, I really did. I missed having you on. I mean, obviously, you you are the train that uh, drives this podcast, and uh, it wasn't the same without you. But Sando did do a good job. I have to say, he he was excellent as we knew he would, and. Uh, it's good to have you back. I appreciate you letting me back, Jeff, since I'm on the back half of Duncan Holder. But look, we are all <laughs> amateurs to our very special guest, a good friend of ours for many, many years. And I wonder if he's going to be unnerved because, look, we've had him on radio many times back when we did radio. He is the king of radio. Uh, and I'm wondering this long form, he sounds a little nervous. So I'm just going to open it up for our good friend, Todd Graffinini, the voice of the Pelicans. Todd, you're on the Duncan Holder podcast for the first time. How are you, my friend? Appreciate you jumping on. I am doing very well, gentlemen. It is an honor and a privilege, and I am a little bit nervous because I'm used to doing these things on your side. I've not uh, been the subject of uh, said podcasts uh, in the last few months, so... This is definitely going to be a different experience for me, but I'll try to do my best. Well, you know, the advice always, uh, Graf, when you feel a little nervous, alcohol. That's always the answer. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, and I mean, it, it's happy hour. It's got to be happy hour in the Graf household, right? It's happy hour everywhere sometimes. <laughs> you, know, you know how that works, especially with the... Uh, Two hooligans running around all day, which I've been around three and a half months straight. As in your two children you're talking about. As in, yes, my near eight-year-old and three-year-old. So, yes. Yes, Yes, absolutely. You you would be used to traveling the road and and this, that, and the other and and doing – games and and not having to be daddy daycare slash daddy Larry, teacher. It's yes. it's funny you said that because I was actually thinking about this yesterday and it has been easily easily 30 years since I have been in this city this long and not gone anywhere. There's no I, going back to 1990 uh, I mean, obviously, I haven't been anywhere since we came back from Sacramento that night. So March 12th till now, I have pretty much not left the city proper 
in any way, shape, or form other than going to play golf about an hour away. But that's it. So it's been it's been three decades since I've been in New Orleans this long and not traveled anywhere. It's nuts. Yeah, and Graf, uh, you you've done a few trips to Ireland, right? I mean, I know you uh, love that. Tr- Right? Didn't you? When's the last time you went to Ireland? Uh, almost a year ago to the day. Um, we, I think, we left last year on June twenty eighth. So yeah, um, <laughs> thinking about that too. Of course, we we've gone. You know, my my wife's parents are from Ireland, Jeff, and uh, I've been so fortunate uh, to be able to go. You know, we went on our honeymoon, which was my first time, and you know, my wife when when she was. Uh, growing up, I mean, they would go nearly every summer because all of our aunts, uncles, and cousins are over there. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's crazy because we went on our honeymoon and my daughter, who, like I said, is about to turn eight uh, next month, has been four times uh, already, or, or wow. three times, I should say, three times, I should say. And my son, who is turning three in September, has been twice. <laughs> so uh, it's crazy. You know, some people never get a chance to go in their entire lives. And and uh, my, my kids have been multiple times. But it is challenging to go over there with, with very young children. Uh, the, the flight back, I would not recommend on my worst enemy uh, with very young kids. But uh, it, it's all worth it when they get it when you get a chance to go over there and it, 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 it's so much better, Jeff, when you actually have family and, and you're able to stay with family and not have mm-hmm. to stay in a hotel or anything like that. It just the, the experience is so much better. Well, Todd, I remember a year ago and we're doing this by design because uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night and on, on June 24th. And then June 25th is when the Pelicans officially announced you becoming the radio play-by-play voice, replacing a friend of ours, Sean Kelly, who moved on to ESPN Radio to call uh, National College Football Games. Todd, take me through this past year. I, I know it's hard to do in one simple question, but take me just through this year of a whirlwind where uh, look, you, you get this job, and then you're walking into Zion Williamson, and you're walking in from Tulane to the Pelicans, and now you've gotten to these unprecedented times like we all have where you're stuck kind of waiting around to see uh, when the season is going to start. We know when the season's going to start, but it's certainly going to be a different dynamic. Well, you know, Larry, it, it, and you go back to last June when all of this really started, and like you said, it was announced officially on June 25th, 2019. But I had an idea a few weeks prior to that, that this was going to happen. So if you go back to the month of June a year ago, and I, I can tell you, it was as good a month as I've ever had in my entire life when you're talking about what you were going to expect as far as me personally. Um you know, there were so many things that happened during that time. And it, and it really started out with, first of all, the Pelicans offering me the job uh, f- before any of it came out. And then you go through the night that Zion Williamson was, was drafted first and, and the party on Fulton Street and doing all of that. And then 
on June 22nd, and I know this because it just popped up on Facebook a couple of days ago, my wife threw a surprise 50th birthday party for me, which I had no idea what was going to, that that was going to happen. So that was a big, you know, rush for me. And then the, the news came out officially on the 25th. And then, like I said, we went to Ireland two, three days later after that, and were there for two weeks and then came home and actually walked into the building for real on July 16th. So you go through all of that, which was just such glorious times for me personally. And then to get into uh, covering the Saints on a daily basis for training camp. And then when that kind of tapered off and, and after the Saints preseason schedule ended, that's when I really got Pelicans heavy and we get into it and then the season starts and, you know, of course, that's that's a big high. And then Zion Williamson gets hurt right before the season is supposed to begin. So then it kind of deflated a little bit. And then, of course, we had a 13-game losing streak, which was a very difficult thing. Uh, and then you go back towards Christmas time last year, and it's a plus again because the team started to play well. And then Zion comes back on January 22nd. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I, I could just tell you this. It's been one big roller coaster ride. If you want to cut it really, really short, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because I've had the time of my life. Well, Graf, I mean, you were so uh, well known as the voice of Tulane Green Wave Athletics. Uh, we all know you had so many great calls there over the years. Now you've made this transition to the NBA. You've had 64 games, not counting preseason, under your belt. I'm just curious, what, what's the transition been like? What's what's the difference between calling an NBA game and a college basketball game? I'm sure there is a big difference. And, uh, you know, how would you describe that transition that you've made? It, it hasn't been that bad. Um, you know, Jeff, you're, there's always some trepidation. There's always some doubt when you've never – been at this level before. And obviously I've been calling college athletics for nearly 30 years. So you never know. I mean, you think that you have done enough where when you're calling a big league game, be it what it, if it would have been NFL or, or, or major league baseball, or even the NBA that you've done enough where you've prepared yourself and, and you're ready for that, but you never quite know. And I guess the, the, the one thing that has been satisfying to me in, in these first you know few months of, of my tenure in the NBA was, you know what, I can do this. And, and all the stuff that I've done at Tulane, it paid off. And I am able to do this uh, you know, without much transition. I, I, I will say this. The one thing I was glad when I actually started calling NBA games was that there was a preseason because in college, there isn't a preseason. You basically put the headsets on game one of, of the football season, the basketball season and the baseball season, and you go, there's no warm up. And the old saying is it's like riding a bike. Well, that's kind of true, but in the NBA, it wasn't like riding a bike because I'd never done it before, but doing those five preseason games really helped me when we actually got into the regular season because obviously you go you're going through format and the new way to to 
as far as the broadcast, how it was going to shape out. But the actual calling of games, you kind of learn pretty quickly how fast of a game the NBA is. And that's really the biggest difference between NBA basketball and college basketball is how quickly uh, they go from front court to back court uh, or, or back court to front court and, and vice versa. You're, you're calling a lot more things in a college game because the speed isn't as quickly. For instance, in the, in the college game, you're going, well, so-and-so brings the ball across the timeline. In the NBA, they're already across the timeline by the time, you know, you, you really get into it. So there's not a whole lot that you're going to say in, in a backcourt sense. Uh, most of it is front court. Uh, a lot of it's one-on-one. Uh, there's much more spacing in the NBA uh, because of the way where the three-point line is and because uh, of the width of the lane. So it, it's a different game in that sense. But once you really get into it, uh, it is just basketball. I mean, obviously the guys are a lot bigger and, and faster, but but the game is the game. And uh, it does help that most nights uh, there's at least 17,000, 18,000 people in the building, which, which really uh, helps the energy level, though I really didn't need that much help in an energy level type of sense in college. But it doesn't hurt when you've got that many people uh, in the background. Uh, you are Mr. Energy. Like that's <laughs> one of the reasons why you were hired. I always like to tell this story. Uh, Todd's heard it a million times, but it's funny that anytime I would run into Dennis Lausha, of course, uh, president of the Saints and the Pelicans, he'll say hello. He might give me a jab for being a Rummel guy since he's a Jesuit guy and then ask how Todd Graffinini's doing because <laughs> Dennis went to t- Tulane and always they all they're always asking how you're doing so when this job opened up you know I, I figured he'd, he'd be a shoe in and obviously he was uh Todd was and so uh you know you were you were known for your energy I mean do how many times do people that maybe don't know you or, or not like your friend uh talk to you about your calls and just how energetic you are and let, let's be honest and Tulane knows this Tulane's had some poor seasons and you've made entertaining games uh, and drawn people in, even, even though maybe the teams weren't as good. Yeah, Larry, you know, a lot of the times I've had to kind of draw from my own passion and energy to kind of fill, because let's be honest, a lot of the times wherever I was, be it in the Superdome when Tulane was playing football or, or at Fogelman arena and Devlin Fieldhouse. Or, or even at Turchin Stadium in some of the leaner years, there just weren't a whole lot of fans in the stands. So, you know what, though? I never really thought about it that way because, first of all, I was doing exactly what I wanted to do at the place where I wanted to do it. And my love and passion for Tulane came out in the broadcasts, and it came that way because I was rooting for Tulane when I was – 10 years old, 11 years old. So I was doing, I was yelling at TVs and screaming at radios, listening to Don Crockett, uh, you know, before I knew that I was or, or wanted to be a radio announcer. So basically what you're hearing 
me calling a game is what I was doing when I was a kid. So there really isn't a whole lot of difference in that. Just I've always been that way. I'm passionate for I've always been passionate for Tulane. I've always been passionate for the Saints, as you guys very well know. Uh, you've watched games with me. And again, I was like that when I was a teenager. So I haven't really changed that much. I've just gotten a lot older. Uh, but the passion and the energy has been the same. And now I've got the years and the games under my belt where you can keep the passion and the energy and have a, a good way of broadcasting a game in a technical sense. So I'd say it's it's the best of all worlds. Well, Graf, your your timing could not have been better. And I know you know this, but you jump on board with the Pelicans and Zion Williamson joins the team. I mean, this is this kid is a a global phenomenon. You know, I don't even think New Orleans knows quite even even yet what they've got in Zion Williamson. He's just scratching the surface coming back from that uh, knee surgery. Uh, what's it like calling a game with Zion Williamson on the court and, and the, the alley-oops that he is already developing this chemistry with Lonzo Ball, these these incredible length of the court alley I mean, what's that like for you as, a, as an announcer? Well, first of all, Jeff, you're exactly right. Timing is certainly everything. And I, I was thinking my lucky stars last June when – we realized, I mean, well, we knew that the, the Pelicans were going to have the number one pick in the draft and and that Zion was going to come on board. So, yes, uh, it, it was extremely fortunate that that the job opened up and I was able to, to, to come in. But, you know, the thing, you see these things on the court, and it's amazing every single night uh, what he does because he's so athletic and he is just – you look at him and you don't realize what he can do in just an explosive way that he plays the game and the quick, quick first step and the leaping ability. And you would not know that he is able to get up that high because if you just look at his build, you'd never think about it. And he's just, he's unbelievable and he's only going to get better. I mean, he's still a teenager um, <laughs> and we're just scratching the surface of what he is going to be. And New Orleans is so fortunate to have this kid as, you know, going to be the face of the franchise for the next decade, hopefully, and more. But what people don't realize, Jeff, and what I've learned when you're traveling with this young man is the amount of media fans that you see where every single place we go. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll just give you an example. Uh, one of the early road trips when we go to Minnesota and we land in Minneapolis and it's, we're in December. And we're, as a matter of fact, uh, we were still in that losing streak. Actually, I take that back. We were going to Milwaukee because he was not he was not traveling back then. We were mm-hmm. we were in Milwaukee, and we land in Milwaukee. You know, one o'clock in the morning, and we get to the hotel about one thirty, quarter to two, and there are people waiting outside the hotel in frigid temperatures just waiting to get a look at this kid or, or somehow get an autograph, you know, 
or, or whatever, a basketball or a poster or a Duke jersey or what have you. And I'm thinking to myself, this is crazy. I mean, go to bed. What are you doing out here? <laughs> it's freezing. And then you go into the arena and every camera, Jeff and Larry, every media camera, every iPhone camera is trained on Zion wherever he went. He's got everyone's looking at him and he just goes about his business. And I could tell you, I, I would go nuts if, if that was happening to me. And he just, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. And he always has a smile on his face. And he, he does every media request. You know, they don't overload him with it because everywhere we go during shoot around, they want to talk to Zion all the visiting media. So he does his media obligations and he's got a smile on his face and he goes about his business. That's the stuff that people don't see uh, when you're traveling with him. And like I said, it, it he just sloughs it off and does what he needs to do. And we go from city to city and it's the same every single time. Uh, what I just described and it doesn't bother him, and I don't know how he does it. Todd Graffinini, the Pelicans radio play-by-play voice, joining us right here on the Dunk and Holder podcast. Back half of this podcast, we'll get more into Zion, how the Pelicans are going to be moving forward uh, as they go to Disney World, as what it sounds, and then maybe we'll get uh, a little more inside baseball with Todd's career in the back half of this podcast. But But before that, look, top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte package you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash football. That's drinkhydrant.com slash football for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com slash football. All right, back here on the Duncan Holder Podcast. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here with Todd Graffinini, the voice of the Pelicans radio play-by-play. And, Todd, you mentioned you're now obviously chronicling one of the biggest superstars in the NBA, even at such a young age. And you're now a year in, almost, uh, in being the Pelicans radio play-by-play voice. But earlier in our conversation, you talked about how long you did Tulane and, and, and called games for them. And you said, look, that was what you've always wanted to do. Uh, what in this industry, when you got into it, 
was your dream job? Because look, a lot of times people run into their dream jobs when they're 25, when they're 40, you're 50. Like what was your dream job and what was your kind of trajectory in your mind where you wanted to go and where you wanted to be as a broadcaster? Good question, Larry. Very good I'm question. I've always got I'm, the zingers. I'm yeah, incredibly told you. This impressed. is your life, baby. You must uh, you must do this for a living. Ask people questions. Barely. Yeah. Barely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I got it. I got into it early as a baseball announcer. Um, you know, I I was very fortunate in that instance. And I mean, we could go into that too. Uh, you know, and, and I've always said from the get-go that I would not be here right now if it were not for Ken Berthelot, who was the voice of the Tulane Greenway from 1985 to 2001. And I, uh, you know, I was very lucky that you know, I had played college baseball, and uh, I actually played a year at Northeast Louisiana, which is now UL Monroe. So I had a obviously a background in college baseball, the game. And my brother Kyle was a freshman on the Tulane baseball team in 1992. Well, at that time, I was just about to get out of school. You know, I was on the uh, I was on the longer plan. Uh, as I graduated from Loyola here in, in uh, and didn't become a lawyer city. or a doctor. No, no it, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, let's just say that I was a, a classic underachiever in, in school, <laughs> but uh, I was still in school and I was in the communications program at Loyola and I already had an idea of what I wanted to do as far as going into communications because look, my, my grandmother, rest in peace, had tape recordings of me when I was five years, six years old at her old, at, at their house in Bonneville uh, calling the Saturday afternoon Wild World of Sports boxing matches with my grandfather. So I'd always had a microphone in front of me. I mean, it was just a natural progression. I loved having a microphone and being able to speak in it. So, you know, long story short, uh, my brother was on the baseball team, and I knew Lenny Van Gilder, who was the SID at Tulane at the time in 1992. And I was up in the baseball press box at, at the old Turchin Stadium, and I introduced myself to Ken Berthelot. And I said, Mr. Berthelot, my name is Todd Graffinini. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to introduce myself and, and say, hey, you know, I want to do what you do one day. And he goes, you know, that's 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 great. Well, I'm I'm not going to do the Ken Berthelot voice right now because I could, <laughs> but uh, says, well, look, is that your brother on the team? I said, yeah, actually, it is. He goes, well, he's a good player. I said, well, he's a good player. I mean, I was better than he was, but yeah, he's a good player. Um, he goes, well, look, we're, we got a broadcast on Wednesday, and uh, how'd you like to sit in for a couple of innings? And I said, you got to be kidding me, of course. And that's literally how it started. And, you know, I tell people, you know, they ask you, how do you get into the, into the business? I said, well, first of all, you got to be lucky. Second of all, you have to have an opportunity. Third, when you have that opportunity, you can't screw it up. And I did well enough in that couple of innings that I put those headsets on and knew enough about the game and enough about the team where he asked me to come back. And that was in 1992, and here we are now. So, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a long story, but I, I originally 
got into it to be a baseball announcer. Uh, I, I, if you want to, you know, go back to the original question, my dream job would have been to be the play-by-play announcer for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who is my favorite uh, major league baseball team. But they had that, yeah, shut up. But I had that, they had that kind of covered with Vin Scully. And I don't think that uh, Graffinini was going to, was going to unseat Vin. So um, I, Tulane was the, uh, was the next best thing. And obviously I had a pretty nice run with the green wave. And, you know, for a long, long time, I, I could not have, could not have planned anything better for me to be around that program for that long and, and work with the people that I work with and especially Rick Jones, who uh, has become like a father figure to me when he got the job in 1994. And, you know, coach and I have been so close. And you think of all the games that I broadcast with Rick Jones as, uh, being the head coach and the amount of time that I, that I've spent with him, over all the years and the, and the assistant coaches and, and who have become just such great friends to me uh, over the years. I mean, that's, you know, the, those things are literally priceless. And, uh, you know, when it comes back down to it, I'm just glad I didn't screw up that original broadcast in 1992, or I don't know where the hell I'd be. Well, Graf, I mean, I'm curious as an announcer, this is something that I think Larry and I, would probably have no clue what the answer would be. Uh, as writers, we do all this prep work, right? You know, we, we prepare to write a column. We're, we're thinking about lines over and over before we write them. Uh, you know, I can remember the Super Bowl down in Miami having a column written if the Saints won the Super Bowl and a column written if they lost. That way I was prepared either way. But as an announcer, I'm curious, I mean – how much of it is organic? Do you just feel the moment before you make the call? And how much of it is planning and preparation? Another good question, Jeff. I, I, I can honestly say in all of my years and all of the games I've ever called, I have never prepped for a line to say during a game. It has mm-hmm. all been organic. Uh, I, any moment that you've ever heard me, you know, yelling like a fool, it's literally what I'm saying is what I'm thinking at that very moment. The key is you have to be prepared in whatever sense in knowing the team, in knowing the situation, and you have to draw upon all of your experiences that you've had calling said games, when you get to that moment, you can't screw it up. So if that makes sense, because there have been a lot of moments that I've had over the years where you look back and you listen to them again going, man, I'm so glad I didn't screw that up. But the reason that you don't screw it up is because you're ready for the moment, even though you don't know you're ready for the moment until the moment actually happens, if that makes any sense. But that's really the way I go into it. And so far, and I'm knocking on my forehead, it's served me well. But I will never write down a line going, you know, it, it's just that's just not the way I'm wired. And I, I just, 
you know, uh, I'm never going to do it that way. Because you're not going to be like me, Zion Palooza, yeah, <laughs> something like awful like I mean, that. There's, there's going to be you know kind of corny sayings that you go, but I'm not going to, but I'm not writing them down. It's just going to, it's just going to pop up in my head if I say something corny. So be it. I know I've said corny stuff over the years, but it, it was never pre-planned or, or or thought out. It's just what pops in your head at the time. What's your favorite call ever? Oh man. That's a good one. Well, I have mine. I know, I know what I mine know, is. I know what yours is, and I could say it's top five because it got me on the map. It, you know, I, I had my fifteen minutes of fame, and that's going. That was thanks to Jeff. It, as a matter of fact, it is. It is thanks to Jeff. <laughs> But for the people that don't know, uh, Tulane was in the Oxford Regional playing Ole Miss back in 2016 and uh, at, a, at a jam-packed Swayze field on a Saturday afternoon with, with 10,000 people in the ballpark. And Tulane was down by one in the top of the ninth inning. And with Stefan Alamace at first base, Jake Rogers hit a hanging breaking ball over the left field bullpen for a home one, and I literally lost it. Runner going. Breaking ball drilled at deep left. Way, way back. Get out of here. It's gone. 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 Home run, Rogers. Home run, Jake Rogers over the bullpen. Ask it, ye shall receive. Deep, deep, deep into the Oxford afternoon. Hang a bang a baby. Hang them, bang them! Six-five wave! He got another hittable pitch, and he did not hook that one foul. You gotta be kidding me, six-five wave. That's the biggest hit in Tulane since 2005, folks. It ain't even a debate. It's funny because I started getting texts uh, after that game ended, and then I'm back in my hotel room after we had, you know, and that eliminated Ole Miss in their own regional. So I'm back in my hotel room that afternoon, and it was late afternoon, and I'm getting ready to go to Coop's place. Uh, Cooper Manning owns a place, Coop's, in, uh, in Oxford just off the square. And, of course, I'm going there that night just to have a couple of pops and soak it all in. And I'm sitting in my hotel room, and Jeff Duncan, who's on this podcast, obviously, calls me up and goes, hey, we need to talk about this. So Jeff interviews me. And matter of fact, if you Google it, you you can still read that. And then Jeff asked me, do you have a call of this? And I said, I don't. But my producer back at WRBH, Del Agnew, who I owe so much to, because if you think about it, that call lasted one minute, the way Del Agnew cut it up and put it out. And Mm -hmm. Jeff got the call, put it underneath the article, the column. And two hours later, I'm sitting at Coop's in the bar watching college baseball on TV 
and my phone literally exploded. And that's how fast it, it happened. And uh, there are people- Todd, let me, let me interrupt you here for a second because I'm literally typing this up on Google right now. And it has Todd Graffinini and one of the, the first like four choices is home run call. And it's from that. Awesome. Well, it literally and pops the thing up about on it is, if Jeff doesn't put that out, that's it's basically going to live in the city of New Orleans proper. Okay, people are going to know about it, but you're going to hear it, and that's pretty much it. And and it's just uh, it's another two lane call that you know I have a bunch of them, but nobody outside the the two lane community could give a rat's patoot, you know. But once that went out, then it got picked up by USA Today. It got picked up by uh, Bleacher Report. And little separate articles came out in these websites with the call. And that's when it went viral. And my life, as far as a broadcaster, was never the same after that day. So I have to put that in the top five. I absolutely must because that was my 15 minutes of fame. Because, and again, nothing against everybody out there listening as a Tulane fan, but, you know, I was a legend at Tulane. Nobody else outside of the city of New Orleans really knew who I was. So all of my, what I thought were great calls, were confined to the Tulane community. And that's that's all well and good. But this one actually put me on a national map. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's been a whole lot of different for me since that June day in 2016. But for me, my personal favorite call, Larry, was when Matt Groff caught the last out of the 2001 Super Regional at Zephyr Field uh, to put Tulane in the College World Series for the first time uh, because of just what it meant to everyone at Tulane and what it meant to Rick Jones and what it meant to the Tulane baseball community. You know, back in 2001, Tulane was as good uh, as any program in the country. And, but they had never taken that step to get to Omaha. And when Matt Groff squeezed that fly ball in right and they started dogpiling in the middle of Zephyr Field, it hit me because, look, like I said earlier, I, I played college baseball, but I'd never been to Omaha. I'd never been to Rosenblatt Stadium. And I told myself I would never go to the College World Series unless the Tulane Green Wave was a part of it. And at that moment, when they were dogpiling and then you kind of s- step back and you realize it, holy – can you say can you say a curse word on, on this podcast? I mean, I don't know how yes. you, yes. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm Again, actually going to go to Omaha and call a Tulane baseball game in Rosenblatt Stadium, and we just beat the LSU Tigers to do it. I mean, that was, that was a moment that you just <laughs> – you can never replicate because there's nothing that can equal the first time, and that was the first time. And uh, – you know, I was brought to tears in that post game uh, when when the moment actually hit you that this is this is happening. So that would be my favorite call, Larry, just because of the situation. 
but yeah, the the Oxford the Oxford call uh, definitely was one that put me on a national type of scale. You know that call was so great, Graf, because I mean it, that was a no doubter too. I, I mean when he connected, you knew immediately that thing was gone. At least I did. I felt like it was uh, kind of a no doubter, and just the the suddenness of how quiet the stadium got. I mean, they were right. on their feet and then it just flipped like that. That's one of the great, great things about baseball is how quickly it can turn. Uh, but I want to switch gears real quick uh, before we wrap up and ask you about the upcoming NBA reopening schedule and what that's going to be like for you. I mean, are I'm assuming you're not going to be in the bubble. Are you going to be in the bubble or how do you call a game if you're not at the game? I'm, I'm curious how this is all going to work out. All right. Well, Jeff, uh, first of all, we're waiting for the schedule to come out now because we just right now don't know that there have been kind of reports, you know, a month ago who the Pelicans were going to play, how they were going to set it up. But you really don't know. Now, we have eight games, obviously, to play uh, to try to get into that play in situation or if we really, you know, get hot in Memphis uh, falters to kind of sneak into that eight spot. I think the goal right now is just to get into that ninth spot, get into a play-in situation with whoever it may be. Um, but we don't know until the schedule comes out, and, but I would think it's going to happen in the next couple of days. Definitely we'll know who we're going to play and when we're going to play uh, because we really can't do anything prior to that. As far as I know, now this has not been confirmed, but we are going – right now under the premise that the broadcasters are not going to Orlando. Um, And this is not just for the Pelicans. This is all around the NBA. And again, that's not official, but that's how we're kind of going in that direction. So it is going to be a challenge for me if that's the case uh, to call games off the monitor. I've never done that before. Uh, and, and you got to understand, it's a lot different calling a game on radio than it is on television. When you're calling a game on TV, the pictures are in front of you. So you're basically complimenting the pictures in your own certain way. In radio, that's not how it works. You've got to paint the picture for the listener. When you're going to do it off a monitor, it's different because you don't have the grand scope of things in your sight. You're basically mm-hmm. a prisoner to what you're going to see in front of you on a monitor. So it's going to be a challenge. I've actually started to practice it a little bit, uh, watching some Pelicans games that I have DVR'd, and it's it's a bit of a challenge. I, I'm not going to lie. Now, you know your preparation and and your knowledge of the team is going to take over. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit of a transition in the first uh, game, I would imagine. But other than that, uh, we'll be able to figure it out. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to be traveling to Orlando. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a strict number travel party uh, in the 35 range. And, and I could tell you right now, Jeff, uh, the radio announcer I would not deem essential when, when you're talking about <laughs> – the, you know, what they're going to do in the bubble. Uh, you know, we can figure it out on, on our end. We don't physically have to be there. Now, that being said, um, 
when we get into things next year and we get into the new season, uh, you know, traveling and being part of the party and, and doing the whole deal and being in the in the in the arenas, you know, that's part of it. Uh, and I would just, you know, clasp with praying to the heavens above that we're able to do this next year and, and get back to some semblance of normalcy because uh, that that would not be a whole lot of fun if, we're, if you're going through an 82-game schedule and, and sitting in a studio or, or wherever we're going to be broadcasting the game, watching it on a monitor because that's that's just not the way it's supposed to be. So, you know, the, we're, we're obviously in unprecedented times and completely extenuating circumstances, and we'll, we'll make do – what we got this, this, you know, during this stretch. But, but after that, you really hope that we get back to uh, the way it was before March 11th. Well, Todd, look, we really appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Uh, look, we've done numerous, numerous radio interviews over the years, but uh, I'm glad you were able to take some time out for the athletic and for Jeff and I once again. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to come up with some like awesome catchphrases that you have to use. Like, it's, and I want the credit on, on, on the broadcast for now on, you know, what's my favorite emoji, Larry, what's my favorite emoji. Oh, it's the eyes closed, mouth closed, just straight lines. That's, like, that's, hmm. I would call, I would call that one. My, I'd call that one. My third, what's the one that I use <laughs> all the time. Eye rolls, I guess. The eye roll. All I, the eye roll. All I know is the the most famous text he, he always send me is poofed, P F F T. That would like, be or, or whatever. That's, what does yeah, that mean? Exactly. What is that? What does that mean? What does that mean, bro? That's what it means. <laughs> like, get out of here! Are you kidding me? That's P F F F F F T. It's kind but, of the eye roll uh, emoji. Same thing. Pretty much. <laughs> But yes, I've I've used the eye roll more than any other emoji. So if I start using your catchphrases, Larry, then it's definitely going to be eye roll central uh, with that. So we'll 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 have to cross that bridge when we get to it. But I'm sure you're going to have some dandies awaiting me. Oh, oh, so so much glory, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. But no, look, Todd, great insight into just kind of behind the scenes how you got into your career and everything. And it's really, uh, you know, when we're on this side of the bubble, we don't often get asked these questions. So I always kind of find it fascinating when we're the subjects of being interviewed, as opposed to us talking about the people we cover. So great job, my friend, you didn't freeze up. Great. Job. Awesome. I am. I'm fired up. I mean, you know, I, I, I haven't done anything in three and a half months. I mean, I've done a couple of podcasts and stuff like that, but I got to get back into this, man. I mean, I just, you know, I got to get back to work and talking into a microphone, uh, putting a headset back on. That that's what I'm waiting for. So this is good. This is good. I need to I need to start getting back into it because you know, hopefully in uh, a little over a month we're we're uh, we're going at it full bore again. Well, look, let me give a, a quick plug to Graf. What he has been doing during this break is taking a lot of walks around the city. Yes. And if you haven't gone on to the Pelicans website and read his Walks with Graph series, I highly recommend it. It's a great idea for a series. And uh, I know we're wrapping up real quick, but if you can do it really quick, what was your favorite walk? Did you have a favorite walk around the city? Ooh, I tell you. Uh, now, look, I started with the with the Uptown Walk because that's the one I've done 
most of all because you know that's my neighborhood and you know walking past Tulane and Audubon Park. But I gotta say, I gotta say, I've got it. I got it. It's almost a tie. Um, my mid city, you know, Gentilly Fairgrounds, Tad Gormley, City Park Avenue, Roosevelt Mall. That's one I never really expected that I would like. And the, the one compliment that I could give is if you do it, you go back and you do it again. Uh, I've done that one more times than any of them that I've, that I've done. But number two, and a very, very close second, if it's a 1A and a 1B, is the Algiers Point Walk. Uh, it better be. Uh, I, I, yes. You know, I knew that Represent. was coming. Little, little West Bank action. Uh, I'd never walked on the levee over there. And if you've never done it, I highly recommend it. You're never going to, you are not going to get a better view of the city of New Orleans than walking on the levee on the West Bank uh, on Algiers Point. And when you're walking through those neighborhoods in old Algiers, you realize, wow, you could be walking down Esplanade Avenue or, or, or somewhere, you know, in the city of New Orleans and you'd never think that it was on the West Bank. And you are, and you are, and then you walk up on the levee and you see the city out in front of you with the river. It is fantastic, and I highly, highly recommend it. And like you said, Jeff, uh, you can go to pelicans.com, neworleansaints.com. You know, Google walks with graph and all. I did eight of them uh, in in that time period and in the in the couple of months. I did one a week for two months to try to you know pass the time while we were during all this and to keep busy. And uh, I'm really glad I did this. And I got kind of got back to my writing roots, which I had some, you know, my, my grandmother who we talked about earlier was an English teacher. So I kind of had a little background in writing and I, I was kind of glad I got back into it again. And uh, yeah, but, but those two walks really have, have been my favorites other than the, uh, you know, the uptown staple. I think it's Todd's one of Todd's favorites because I don't know if this is public knowledge, but I'm going to make it public knowledge. But he now knows where Sarah Connor lives. That's right. From, uh, That's right. The Terminator fame. Linda Hamilton, baby. He, I'm waiting for her to be Hamilton outside on the balcony Algi- when I walk by. Algiers Point. And I'd yell at yeah, her, Linda Sarah Hamilton. Connor! Sarah Connor! Yes. But she hasn't been outside. Uh, she hasn't done it yet. No, she's not been outside. But yeah, that's like a landmark. Todd's like, oh, just walking by Sarah Connor's house. <laughs> so he knows where the uh, where Sarah Connor lives. And uh, she's always going to live. Like, she always survives the Terminator movies. But anyway, we're, we're now rambling. Danielle's doing our, her own eye roll. Is Danielle uh, even still producer. with us? <laughs> she <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. She, she ducked out. But Todd, appreciate it, buddy. And uh, look, yeah. Look, get ready. Todd's going to be back on the radio call. So want to thank again our producer, Danielle. want to thank Todd Graffinini for jumping on the Duncan Holder podcast. Once again, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder, 40% off of your first year annual subscription. You can get all of our podcasts, all of our great written coverage as well in New Orleans and across the country and across the globe. And, of course, you can also subscribe, rate, review, all those good things to the Duncan Holder podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. So for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us once again on the Duncan Holder podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network.